Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbert and i'm on location today in ellisville mississippi the heart of jones county in the pine belt at wally properties today rhino safe and secure back in the super talk headquarters will be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts fodder and fine music we have relocated the element wealth studios today and, uh, oh, what's his date? Rhino forgot about that. Friday Eve. Heck, yeah. It's a pretty nice one out here today. The sun is a-shining. I think we got some rain headed our way in the Magnolia State tomorrow. It's coming in tonight, I believe. That's the latest forecast. It, still calling for, like, two inches. Is that true, Rhino, coming in tomorrow? Yeah, That's it's back the, down a little bit on the uh, prediction for the central Mississippi, or at least where my little pen was located, to uh, one and three-quarters inches. But, yeah, it still looks like it's going to be quite the downpour. Jeez, that is incredible. I, for one, am tired of the rain. We need it to dry out around here for sure beautiful drive down here uh today from uh, my home in ridgeland about an hour 40 minutes or so to downtown ellisville taking the route of 49 cutting over i believe it was 84 59 and then into holly street main street i believe it is in uh, ellisville Last year, I recall, Rhino, the wind was quite brisk. It was blowing my papers all over the place while I was sitting here at the set. But uh, a beautiful day for us uh, today in advance of the rain. And then it cools off a little bit, I believe, after the cold front moves through into the uh, high 60s in central Mississippi, at least, I believe, on Saturday and Sunday, the last forecast that I looked at. You know, quite often I have used the expression march to mediocrity. Something that, um, you know, I, I started invoking uh, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, when the Biden administration really, uh, really doubled down on this idea of of uh i guess abandoning traditional meritocracy in this country that which made it great where we reward performance and we reward value we reward excellence 
We've abandoned that idea in, in so many scenarios and situations, not just in the public sector, mind you, but in the private sector as well, such that we are hiring and promoting and compensating and bonusing and recognizing and awarding and admitting on the basis of physical attributes, one's race, gender, sexual preference, um, ethnicity, anything you can think of from a physical perspective as opposed to uh, from one where the factors of one's production and performance are considered. Perhaps one of the most stark examples, disturbing examples that I've seen, is a rule set to go into effect. May 1, this rule would affect mortgages. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, those are two sort of hybrid quasi-government entities. I believe they should be totally private privatized they are enacting changes to fees known as loan level price adjustments llpas on may 1st this will affect mortgages originating at private banks nationwide wells fargo jp morgan chase huge mortgage lenders already implementing these systems tweaking the interest rates paid by the vast majority of home buyers that utilize those programs to insure their loans. That's a bunch of them, by the way. So here's what it means in a nutshell, folks. If you've been responsible in the handling of your financial affairs and you've produced, as a result of that, a high credit score and you're a low-risk Borrower, you're going to pay more for your mortgage when these rules are implemented in May 1st, two weeks from now. So you've already got high mortgage rates hovering at about 6.4, 6.3%, up about 5% one uh, from about 5% one year ago, more than twice as high as rates were two years ago. So under these rules, though, high credit buyers with scores of 680 to 780, I wouldn't even consider 680 high, but a 680 to 780 uh, based on the FICO scoring system, Fair Isaac scoring system, you're going to see a spike in your mortgage cost. And applicants who put greater percentage of the price of the property down in the form of a down payment, you're going to see the biggest increase in fees. On the other hand, high-risk borrowers, those who have not been as responsible in maintaining their personal or their household financial affairs, and come with an application, uh, come with their application a lower credit score they're going to see a decrease in their mortgage rates. The high credit score borrowers are effectively subsidizing the low credit scores. 
the responsible borrowers are subsidizing those who have not been as responsible in managing their financial affairs. Think about that. This is just abject, overt wealth redistribution is what this is. This is punishing success and rewarding mediocrity. This is maddening. I literally lost sleep over this last night. And and I don't know how this hasn't made it into the news cycle before then. Because it's going to affect in two weeks. This is a blatant and significant cut of fees for high-risk borrowers and an increase in better credit quality, for better credit quality buyers. This makes no sense. This is upside down. This is antithetical to the concept of merit. It sounds an awful lot like what led to the last bubble pop. You're exactly right, because what this is designed to do, to your point, Rhino, is to qualify more borrowers that who otherwise would not qualify and qualify them for higher loan values. So a, a, a home buyer with a 740 FICO credit score and a 15 to 20% down payment will face a 1% surcharge, an increase of 0.75% compared to the old fee of 0.25%. This could cost you anywhere from fifty to a hundred bucks a month, depending on the size of the loan. Because you were responsible, you're going to pay more to help those who weren't. Does this not incentivize bad behavior? Well, I don't have to worry about my credit because well, that's everything the Democrats are, do. They're the party of irresponsibility. They incentivize every bad behavior they can. They champion it. It, 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 you're right. It's so maddening. A buyer with a 620 credit score, which frankly sucks, and a down payment of 5% or less, they'll get a 1.75% fee discount, a decrease from the old fee of 3.5% for that range of borrowers. This is upside down. This is this is like having uh, uh, administering a test. In a, in a traditional school setting classroom. And the folks who did better on the test submitted their their test with more a higher percentage of correct responses get a lower grade. Their grade gets adjusted downward. And those who did worse on the test, they're going to have their grades adjusted upward. So the the folks who worked harder in the classroom and did better in preparing and mastered the content, more proficient at it, they're subsidizing the other students in their class that didn't. They went out and partied. They didn't study, didn't prepare. This is upside down. We're taking a break right here. We're in Ellisville, Mississippi. When we return, Lance Chancellor from the Jones County Board of Supervisors. The Element Well Studios is again in Ellisville, Mississippi today. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go. 
Super Talk Mississippi. We are live in Ellisville, Mississippi at Wiley Properties. Joining us now, Lance Chancellor, a member of the Jones County Board of Supervisors. Uh, Lance, thanks for joining us here. Beautiful day here in Ellisville, Mississippi. Gosh, you couldn't answer a more beautiful day. Nice sunshine, cool breeze. Uh, welcome to Jones County, and Appreciate particularly that. the city of Ellisville. Yeah, awesome. So uh, the economy seems to be faring pretty well here in Jones County. It really is. You know, we have had a just a phenomenal run, even throughout COVID, uh, those those miserable couple of years. Yep. Um, it, it's, it's really done well. The The economy seems to be booming. People are coming here to shop, to, to buy homes, to live. Businesses seem to be flourishing. It has really been a, a great time to be a Jones County resident or visitor to Jones County. And by the way, welcome to Jones County. Well, thank Special you. welcome from the Jones County Board of Appreciate that. So, you serve on the Board of Supervisors, and you're also a Deputy Sheriff. Yeah, so I work for the Jones County uh, Sheriff's Department, Sheriff Joe Berlin. I'm a okay. grant s- statistical administrator. I can't spell that, and I, I often <laughs> can't even say it correctly. Okay. But uh, so I work with the Sheriff's Office, and uh, but we, you know, of course, work under the auspices of the Board of Supervisors. Okay. So, yeah, indirectly. My, those are those guys are and and, and Danielle are my bosses. <laughs> All right. So what uh, what are the supervisors up to uh, these days? What sort of issues? Are are you you're dealing with that uh, are, are different I guess than the, the sort of customary issues you guys have to deal with roads and and uh, infrastructure of course a big part of that yeah absolutely you know roads and bridges are just something that seems to happen all the time yeah. it's it's a, a hot topic for residents for business owners uh, for folks that are come to visit uh, and actually the Jones County Board of Supervisors uh, over this term each year and this uh, three years and we're in the fourth year now mm-hmm. have uh, managed to lower taxes here in Jones County, really? which has been an awesome, you so know, that's lowered awesome property taxes. Lower property yeah. taxes. Uh, do have some ongoing projects, a countywide resurfacing projects. Uh, they're repaving Indian Springs Church Road, Lower Myrick Road, Mill Creek Road, Tom Stockman Road, Moselle Seminary Road, Don Kurt Road, and Industrial Boulevard. Yeah, all of those are real heavily traveled county roads. Uh, the county's also received six hundred thousand dollars to repave uh, Graves Road, which starts here in Ellisville, runs all the way across to Highway eighty four West. Uh, out in the Pleasant Ridge community. Uh, Representative Donnie Scoggin was instrumental in securing funding for that project. Uh, Have just recently completed the repaving and resurfacing of the Howard Technology Park, which is right here in Ellisville. Saw that en route. Yeah, it's uh, it's an incredible... Great corporate community customer, or citizen, I should say, of uh, of Jones County. They are huge. You know, Howard, uh, the Transformer Division, they are huge. They're one of, of, if not the largest. I think they supply at least half of the uh, electrical distribution transformers in the world. In the world, yes, they do. Then Howard Technology Solutions, right down here in the Technology Park. Yeah. Also have done a roof replacement project at the Laurel Courthouse and doing an HVAC system uh, replacement here at the Ellisville Courthouse, which is, we're looking at it right there, the historic Ellisville Courthouse, yeah. uh, which will cost around a million dollars. That's a wow. It's a big project. That HVAC system goes back forever. Uh, it's, it's an oldie. Beautiful building, the courthouse. It, yeah, court, 
houses here both were built at the, at the same time. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, uh, historic landmarks. Yeah. Um, and then county, uh, the board of supervisors have been instrumental in getting fire departments the, on the volunteer fire side. Uh, six new fire trucks that have been replaced in this term uh, for Pleasant Ridge, Hebron, Boggy, Johnson, Moselle, and Southwest Jones volunteer fire departments. Okay. Um, you know, also, we did, were the recipient of some ARPA money that yep. came through, the American Rescue Plan. Sure. Uh, the county uh, received $13.2 million in ARPA funding. Uh, $10 million of that was declared as lost revenue, which was part of the, the requirement for yep. Uh, to receive funding, yeah, and uh, that was used for road repairs, and the remaining three point two million has been used according to some very strict standards, which were established by the federal government. So, um, you know, all in all, Got it's it going on. A, it's busy. Uh, Jones County is a busy place. What about the relationship, Lance, the supervisors with the municipal uh, leadership? How, how does that work? Very, out? very good Moral relationships. Level, for example, yeah, very good relationships, and you know, they work very hard and, and work very diligently together to help promote economic development. To work on uh, mutual projects of mutual concern, whether it's roads, bridges, uh, law enforcement, uh, safety and security of citizens. So, you know, they work together. You're always going to have some issues that, that pop up that might uh, cause a little bit of consternation. Yeah. But the, the key is, from a leadership standpoint, you just have to work through those. I mean, you're elected well, sure. to do a job and to uh, to help your citizens and your residents and visitors to your county and your, your municipalities uh, with the concerns that they have. And if you'll do that, all in all, life will be good. Well, and one thing I noticed coming through here uh, this morning, Lance, is that uh, I, I didn't see any boarded-up buildings. They're, they're all open and working and thriving, and, and the traffic uh, flow is steady as well, which means we've got uh, a, a robust economy going on here. The economy is robust. You know, there, we also have the hometown effect. Yeah, uh, you can't, no You cannot deny that. If you go down, it's all downtown, in my house Baltimore, all the time. My wife loves it. So. I, I'm telling you, being in an area Napier, <laughs> hometown HGTV, there, our office, the Jones County Sheriff's Department and the Board of Supervisors offices are in downtown Laurel. Yeah. And there are literally thousands of visitors every month. It's you, incredible. You, you walk through, there are people walking. You can always tell who, who's going to be a visitor in, if they're in downtown because they're looking up. They're you looking know, up at all the buildings. Everybody else is walking going to work. But yeah. They're looking up to see what's what. The best part of that show that I, I find fascinating and, and honestly uh, a bit um, heartwarming is when you've got folks that are moving into the area that have seen the show just what they saw what they liked fell in love with the show itself and the community based on the television program and decide i want to pick up and move down there and they just love it exactly and it has far exceeded their expectations oh it is amazing i cannot tell you how many times we've interacted with uh visitors and some who are moving here from california from iowa matter of fact our next door neighbors we're gonna have a new next door neighbor in the powers community where i live and it's a couple moving from iowa saw the show loved the show came yeah. down visited and just fell in love with jones county it's incredible yeah and and ellisville in particular being right here along Interstate 59, yeah. with a major railroad, got a heavy railway through the, you know, here right in the middle of the city. Uh, you, you're 15 to 20 minute drive to Hattiesburg. You're less than eight minute drive to Laurel. I mean, it's, we're just centrally located right here, so, yeah. and lots and lots of people. The common theme that we hear from people who are coming to visit: if you're out having lunch somewhere and, and somebody asks you a question or you just interact, you see some folks you know they're not from here because again they're looking up. <laughs> is we just can't believe how nice everyone is. Yeah. And it's like, you know, welcome to Mississippi. Yeah, exactly. We're renowned for that. I mean, that truly is emblematic uh, of our state, I think, and, and all the communities I visit. I hear, this, I hear the same thing, uh, the same sort of refrains from visitors. They're just kind of shocked by that. And, of course, to us, it's like, well, this is how we always are. Yeah, this is the way it is. This is the way 
raised. That's how we were, that's how we were brought up. That's how exactly. we were raised. But uh, it's it's an asset that we should promote. Absolutely. More. You know, we Mississippi gets bad rap, obviously. It oh, has yeah. has over the years and, and continues to, unfortunately, sometimes. through Until people come here and they say, this isn't what I expected. This is not what I expected. <laughs> and always in a good way. Yeah, yeah, always in a good way. Yeah. They love it. People, like I said, when you come here, yeah, it's, it's welcome to Jones County, welcome to Ellisville, welcome to Laura, welcome to Soso, Sandersville, Ovet, whatever community you're visiting. People, they, they just say, golly, people are so nice. Yeah. And and that is a great calling card, not just for Jones County and Ellison Laurel, but for Mississippi as a whole. Talk about the future with respect to the supervisors. What's on uh, your radar right now that you're addressing? Well, obviously it's an election year. Yeah. So you know those get to be uh, they can be fun or they can be not so fun, just depending <laughs> how many uh, folks you have running against you. But you know it business continues as usual. You know whether it's an election year or not, things things yeah. The law enforcement still has to operate. Hospitals still have to operate. Fire our rescue, EMS, all of the essential functions of government still have to operate, regardless of whether it's an election year or not. And the key is that, uh, you know, from a board of supervisor standpoint, uh, we're just told to do our go do our jobs, yeah. serve our citizens. I serve the residents of Jones County and visitors too, and just pretend like there's not an election. And that's you know, if you'll do it that way, that's you'll never change gears. Assume you're running, huh? Uh, no, not me. Okay. No, no, I'm, okay. I am, I am, I am happy where I am. I'm almost to retirement. I'm okay. Like, you know, Social Security is looking better and better. Okay. <laughs> like, like next month, I'm 62. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But no, uh, I love what I do. I yeah. used to own a couple of different businesses in my lifetime. Okay. Some, we were very successful in those and had the opportunity to go do something I really love. been a volunteer firefighter for 35 years. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, and I love the emergency services side. Okay. Something I feel that God has definitely called me to do. Comfortable in that arena. Uh, a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. So anybody out there that's listening in emergency services, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And uh, hope to finish up my career helping people. Okay. And um, that's that's the plan. A very commendable and admirable goal for sure. Because we need you. people that want to help other people. You know, we it's do. It's calling. I tell you what, the, when we we announced along with with the board of supervisors, sheriff's department, law, police department, and numerous other agencies, domestic abuse, family shelter, United Way, release supplies drives for Rolling Fork and for Silver City and for. Amory, and literally sent thousands upon thousands of pounds of relief supplies to those communities uh, over the past couple of weeks. And Very cool. that just shows the the level of care in, here in Jones County. Yeah, that's awesome. Lance, appreciate you joining oh, us. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on all the success here in Ellsville and in Jones County. And uh, thank you for your ser- service as well, and, and good luck with the rest of your career. Thank you. If you're out there listening, come see us here in beautiful Jones County, Mississippi. You got it. We're stepping aside for a break right here. We're in Ellisville, Mississippi. Uh, coming up at 1050, Joe Frank Alexander from Alexander's Hardware. Stay with us. Supertalk.fm with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Supertalk, Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays live 
from Ellisville, Mississippi. We're at Wally Properties today. Mr. Jim Wally will join us at 12.05 later on in the program. Our sponsors for today, Alexander's Hardware, Community Bank of Laurel, Cox Roofing, Howard Industries, the Jones County Board of Supervisors, Pine Belt Land Title, and, of course, we're once again at Wally Properties, uh, Wally Forestry and Properties. And enjoying our time here, beautiful day, downtown Ellisville, Mississippi. I can see the uh, the big old super top Mississippi van. Had to park that, uh, the RV, across the street today, Rhino. It's parked in the parking lot adjacent to the Ellisville, city of Ellisville Police Department. So, Scary Gary got to be on his toes. Uh, driving that big thing around. Uh, we were talking earlier before we interviewed Mr. Lance Chancellor from the Jones County Board of Supervisors, talking about this new rule going into effect May 1 that will affect the mortgage rates for those whose loans are insured by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And this is another situation, Rhino, where the deep state Federal Housing Authority, Federal Housing Administration, they, uh, I think, have overstepped their bounds. They don't have a congressional mandate, an edict from the Congress to implement such rules, but this is consistent with the march to mediocrity going back to Joe Biden's first day in office. First day when he directed the entire agency apparatus under his purview to place racial equity and climate change at the center of all policymaking to incorporate those goals. And the goal, again is to punish success and to a great extent reward mediocrity. Sometimes it rewards failure. You see that played out in our law enforcement and justice systems. You go out and commit crimes, you're just let out. Scot free. If you're even arrested. Yeah, if you're even arrested, right. And and you've you've seen law enforcement in the Democrat-run cities basically say we don't even waste our time, to your point, arresting criminals, perpetrators, because we know all they're going to do is get booked. They'll go in in front of the various court systems, DAs, etc., and the next thing you know, they're just out on the street. I mean, just look at the crime numbers that came out of New York City recently. Gosh, I saw that. That is mind-blowing. Over 6,000 events of shoplifting are credited to just over 300 people. So you told me that yesterday um, off the air. Does it not make sense, or am am I overthinking this, or oversimplifying it, I should say? Does it not make sense to, like, track, use all your tools, all your assets, all your resources, all your technology, to track down those 327 and get their butts off the street? Or can we not do that? Well, that would skew the statistics into a way that doesn't fit the Democrat narrative. 
Uh, you mean we might find out that uh, most of these folks committing all this shoplifting and crime, maybe they're minorities? And, I, and I'm not trying to be racist here. I'm just This is just statistical fact. How, how do we ignore reality? It's the same thing what Riley Gaines, the um, NCAA champion All-American swimmer that lost out on a national championship to a man, to a dude. Same thing she said. We're just ignoring objective science reality same thing here but if it's you listen to hakeem jeffries that's actually that 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 doesn't really exist and the extreme republicans are trying to sensationalize an issue that doesn't really exist in the way that they are falsely portraying he's a freaking liar but he knows his abc's that's right. I remember that. <laughs> that, of course, was during the um, the speaker ordeal, the uh, the vote for the speaker of the house. I remember that, it, uh, folks. If you don't recall, we played a little of that on the air. But he had some word and and some rhetoric. Uh, the word, of course, began with the letters of the alphabet, and he did that sequentially through the alphabet. He spouted some word and some crazy left-wing rhetoric as part of his uh, ideology uh, all about the Speaker of the House and the Speaker of the House uh, ordeal. This guy, this MAGA Republican deal, I don't know that you'll ever see (laughs) Biden, Jeffrey, Schumer, Warren, and that whole ilk. I don't know that they will ever state or write the word Republican anymore, any longer, without the adjective MAGA preceding it, as if there's some special magical effect of that. And I guess it's all an attempt to to link Republicans to Donald Trump, and they somehow think that that, and maybe it does, that that energizes their base and it's politically expedient for them to do so because, you know, they're, they're writers and their handlers and media people have all advised them, yeah, you got to use MAGA all the time, just like Jeffries does. But he's ignoring reality, totally ignoring reality. Uh, you shocked me yesterday when you shared that rather sobering statistic 327 people in a city of 8 million I think is the population of New York largest in the country of course 327 maggots are causing all this problem for this once great city the the center of the universe from a financial perspective that I don't get it. I mean, it seems like there's a solution to that problem. Go run those people down and lock them up. But we we've seen merchants and store owners, shop owners, business owners take the law into their own hands, having to invest their own money in protecting, guarding, securing their property, their assets, their inventory from these thugs. And they are. They're just thugs. Now, I know there's a lot on the left that would say that my use of that word is is radical, right? Radical. Well, those people racist. on the left are worthless, and their opinions are worthless. 
but but this deal with the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac with these loan level price adjustments, and so the way that works, it's it's fees, folks, that are levied up front, but they're included in the mortgage such that you pay them over the life of the term of the loan rather than having to pay them all as a lump sum up front. And again, we're rewarding irresponsible behavior and we're punishing success. It's consistent with the entire Biden Democrat plan, all in the interest of so-called equity. And yesterday, you know, he was speaking at some union event and he said, my economy is working Nobody's being left behind. We're building an economy that allows everyone to participate. It's unbelievable. Yet today he's meeting with leaders in other countries talking about climate change. And by the way, I know a lot of people really get upset about the money we're sending to Ukraine. How about this one, folks? Joe Biden today is going to announce the allocation Uh, and the approval of billions of dollars going to other countries not to fight a war against a foe, a dangerous foe such as Russia, climate change. And some of that money earmarked for China. As Joe Biden would say, this is no joke. The IRS commissioner yesterday, head of the IRS on the Hill, you know what he was there for? Asking for $20 billion more. He just got $80 billion in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act to hire 87,000 IRS agents. Their budget's up. He's asking for another $20 billion. Another $20 billion. Just doesn't make any sense. But yet, they blast those of us on the right for oppressing We are the root cause, in their view, of those who are not participating in American prosperity. It's our fault. Yet we let people pour across the borders, which just drain our resources and cost us a bunch of money. And now the IRS wants more money, so they can come after you and shake you down for more taxes so they can send it to China to fight climate change. It couldn't get any more upside down. But don't worry about taking care of your finances in your household because when you go to apply for a mortgage, you're going to pay higher rates than people who don't. We're stepping aside for a break right here. When we come back, Joe Frank Alexander from Alexander's Hardware. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Who's that, Rhino? Little Van Halen ice cream man. Uh, Well, I thought it was. I thought I recognized the... 
iconic and very distinctive uh, guitar in by Eddie Van Halen. Appreciate that, bumping us into this segment. We're in Ellisville, Mississippi today. Uh, we're at uh, Wally Properties, actually, today. So joining us now, Joe Frank Alexander from Alexander's Hardware and also James Jolly. You two at Alexander's Hardware? That's correct. Okay, yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate you guys joining us. I uh, heard, you, heard you talking uh, on the break there. Um, the company's been around a while, hasn't it? Yes, sir. How long? Since 1924. That is incredible. So to what do you attribute uh, that sort of uh, endurance? That's a long time to be in business. Well, uh, from my standpoint, I would say it's my dad, his brother William, they've really uh, instilled in us a uh, you know good work ethic and uh, treating people with kindness and fairness. Yeah, absolutely. Always seems to work, doesn't it? James, what do you do exactly? That's a very good question. <laughs> you better be able to answer it, I think. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of everything. Okay. Um, we, When I came on in, in 99, we uh, originally went on our first point-of-sale computer system yeah. and uh, started doing some special projects of renovating stores and, and that type thing. And, and uh, so things have, have really changed a lot since that time period. I took about a 10-year vacation and came back a few years ago and, and uh, came back to Ellisville uh, mainly and so you know working on some renovations there again so it's been it's been a long it's been a long uh, good road for sure good people to work for and you know definitely try to instill good quality customer service Joe Frank is Ellisville a good place in Jones County in general a good place to do business absolutely it has been a real joy to be here uh, I've been here since 2015 I came down and started kind of evaluating our store here um I'd been at the Bay Spring store since 2011, um, decided to come down here. We've had a hardware and a uh, rental in Ellisville, and I uh, th- wanted to come in and maybe try to do the lumber business, lumber and building materials. Yeah. Came down and started that, uh, started working on that in 15, and actually got it implemented around 2017, 2018, and it has been a real good move for us. And enjoyed working here with the local people in Jones County. Who are your customers? Are they, are they uh, just general homeowner, consumers, builders, all the above? All the above. Uh, right now in Ellisville, I'd say we're probably 75% new construction. Uh, okay. Com- uh, not commercial contracts, residential contractors. Yeah. Um, Bay Springs is about 50-50. So we kind of service it all, service everybody and try to uh, just go where the business is. <laughs> Uh, full service hardware, James. Full, full, service, full service hardware, everything from from the nails all the way through the plumbing, electrical. You know, here in Ellisville, we also have the appliances. Uh, Bay Springs, we uh, bump that up to furniture and gills, but then also floor covering. Yeah. And so we can, you know, as we've said in the past, from the turf to the top, everything from the outside to the inside, we can we can take care of it all. So, how do you compete with the big box guys? It's not as difficult as it, I was going to say. It's customer service, but it's actually not as difficult as it used to be. Um, when those big box guys came in, you know, they really lowballed everything. And obviously, you can't be the cheapest on everything. And and someone who's going to nitpick every single price, you know, it's it makes it tough. But uh, what we promise to do is a fair price and customer service, customer service, customer service. Yeah, that works, doesn't it? And it and and it works. That's correct. <laughs> Well, obviously, uh, Joe Frank, you've been in business that long. You're making a little money. You're a profitable company. That's important. 
it is important and we try to be and you know we just try to be fair with everyone and yeah do the best we can well the market keeps you in line that's yeah, what you know does. about I and mean, a competitive business like that especially we right. do we have a lot of competitors in the area i mean we kind of venture into hattiesburg a little bit and there's a lot of competitors there and laurel also so yeah i mean we have to be pretty competitive and do you have folks come from outside of Jones County that want to shop with you because of that level of customer service? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we've got jobs over in Alabama. We do some in the, you know, the eastern edge of Louisiana. Um, but yeah, we, we service a pretty big area. What uh, What are the supply chain situation looking like these days? Right now is not terrible. Uh, obviously, it's much, much better than it was two and a half years ago. Sure. Uh, pretty much everything is about leveled out. I mean, you know, something like a window that was taking eight to ten months to come in, you know, you're back to that eight to ten week window. So hmm. uh, so the supply chain is really not that effective anymore. Okay. So st- stabilizing. Not Very much so. Wasn't too long ago, I suspect you had a lot of people showing up and wanting stuff and you couldn't get it for them. That right? is absolutely correct. And we're very fortunate to have different suppliers we can pull from. So even during that time, we were still able to meet the customer's needs that they yeah. were having. That's awesome. Joe Frank, James, appreciate you guys joining us and congratulations on all your success. Sounds yes, like sir. a fantastic company. I've heard a lot of good things about yeah. it as well. We'll be celebrating our 100-year anniversary. That is fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, thank you. And Thanks for being a great corporate citizen here in Jones County, Ellisville, Bay Springs. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. Thank you for having, Thank you for having us. It. Yes, sir. We're taking a break right here. You know what's next. It's Fox News, Super Talk News. When we come back, Lynn Buckholz, the mayor of Ellisville, Mississippi. That's where we are today. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back everyone, middays in the Element Well Studios, live from Ellisville, Mississippi, on this Friday Eve. Joining us now here in the Element Well Studios, set up today at Wally Properties in Ellisville, is the mayor of Ellisville, Mississippi, Lynn Buckhoff. So, Mayor, how's it going today? Beautiful weather. We were just talking about that. Couldn't ask for a better day for an event like this. Appreciate y'all being here. Appreciate the invitation to be with you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, you got to be proud. We'll start off with this. Great companies here, Wally Properties. And, of course, Alexander's Hardware. These are fantastic companies to have located in the town here. Uh, We're very fortunate to have a lot of the private sector industry and property owners uh, in the city of Ellisville. Uh, I think we have very good working relationships. It's a vital, they play a vital role in the progress we're making here in Ellisville. Yeah. Welcome site. Absolutely. And I I noticed I I was just uh, speaking to... um, Supervisor Lance Chancellor in the um, earlier segment, just driving through town, it looks like you've got a lot of activity, a thriving, a, lot, a bustling uh, town area. going on. We have uh, uh, new businesses uh, coming. We have some inquiring right now, uh, looking to move to Ellsville. Yeah. Uh, 
we're very fortunate. Uh, we want to put the word out. We're here. We're open for business. Uh, come see us. Yeah. And uh, also, Lance just informed us that the supervisors voted for a tax decrease, a decrease in the millage. They did, I think, on their on their millage rate. They did. Uh, City of Ellisville did not. Uh, of course, our millage rate is still fairly low. But, yeah. uh, it's been the same ever since I've been involved with the city. We have not increased. Are you seeing some influx, uh, Mayor, of people into the city to, to call it their home that are perhaps not from Mississippi or from uh, other areas of the state? We, we do. Uh, matter of fact, we just completed our uh, census, you know, every 10 years, yeah. and we went up in numbers some again Good. this year. Uh, we have people from time to time that that's buying homes here from outside the state, uh, some from in the county moving into the city or whatever, but uh, we, we seem to have a, our population has grown some from, you know, probably, you know, not much, five, six hundred. Yeah. We're up over 4,000 now. Wow. You know, 4,500, somewhere in there. So when these, these newcomers decide to uh, call Ellisville their home, what do they say? What attracts them? Well, I think it's a lot of, you know, uh, the community itself, the, the the atmosphere around here. I mean, there's no doubt. I think we we have plenty to offer as far as the businesses. We have uh, our local churches in the area. We schools. have the schools, our our Jones County school system located uh, part of it here inside the city. We have Jones County Junior College. That's yeah. a big attraction there. So uh, awesome we have jobs through some of the industry, not just in Ellisville, but close by. So. Uh, I think there's work opportunities. I, I think all aspects you can find it right here in Ellisville. So good place to work, play, worship. That's right. Go to school. That's right. Law enforcement. That's right. That's right. Fairly crime free. We have we have that. We have uh, you know our our rating our fire department. We continue to um, to increase our ability there. So I mean we're making improvements everywhere. So uh, I, I think it's just a, a good hometown community, no doubt. Uh, great place to raise a family now what's the what's the structure of the municipal form of government here mayors that you have aldermen city council we have, we have aldermen and the mayor i think maybe they call it uh the uh the weak mayor system yeah. i mean it's is what they call it yeah. you have me the alderman and then we have four um alderman and one at large uh, gotcha uh, usually the weak mayor means the mayor can't break a tie is that the, the case in the voting here, or well, how does that work? Um, I would think they could. Of course, you know, the mayor always carries veto power. Sure. It's, you know, the system is there yeah. to override it or uphold it. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, but that that is the way ours works. So the, the, the city council is the, the board of aldermen is the voting people of our system. How do you guys get along? You work together? Well? Oh, great. I couldn't ask. Uh, this is... I've served one full term as mayor. I'm in my second term. Uh, the alderman that we have, and, and uh, I couldn't ask for anything any better. Uh, they do an outstanding job. They're there. Uh, uh, they make the right decisions. I mean, we haven't had any issues whatsoever. Uh, they, they, they're great to work with. I think they're great serving the community as they do. Uh, we, we've made a lot of progress. What are some of the uh, issues, priorities that you're working on right now? Well, I would think the city of Ellisville, just like most any 
municipality, large or small, in anywhere, you know, our infrastructure mm-hmm. is the problem. Uh, and, of course, we've been strangled, strangled on that, uh, you know, the finances of that. Of course, as everybody knows, that ARPA money that come out, we got our share of that. Uh, we've already completed a couple of projects by repairing, replacing the infrastructure, water, sewer, whatever, then we're able to blacktop the roads over the top of that. Uh, you can't do it with some of the 100-year-old infrastructure we've got. Sure. Right now, I think we've got three projects we've already let out to bid that's, uh, and approved the bids that's fixing to take place, and we've got about three or four more that we're working on the engineering to use that money to, to replace some of the infrastructure. So that's always an issue. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's never never ends. Never ends. I mean, and ever every day it gets older than what it is. Yeah, the infrastructure. But yeah, uh, we definitely uh, we have access to that money that we got. We've already applied for the match that the state, you know, uh, is going to be able to give us. So we had no word on that, but uh, it's really we're putting it to good use. What about uh, your financial condition, Mayor, and your your revenues? How are they looking? Well. I think uh, there's no doubt as far as our revenue standpoint. I mean, we're getting well on our feet. We're in, we in good shape. We've been able to last two budgets uh, to give our employees pay raises at that time. Okay. Uh, our sales tax, has, we've set two or three new records in the last two or three years. Wow. I mean, we're not talking about a lot of money, but it's more than what it was. Of course, was. expenses are up right. generally, Every, too, everything right? Everything is up. So yeah. uh, we're doing real good there. We've been fortunate enough to pay off some of the loans that we've uh, had, which, you know, sometimes you have to borrow money. But sure. so far, everything we've done since I've been in office, uh, we've paid as we went. So uh, I'm proud of that. We've paid off some of the loans that we had, uh, you know, bought, new fire trucks or whatever. Of course, we had help through the state and all yep. doing that. But uh, we've been very fortunate. Uh, we've definitely reduced our debt some. Mayor, do you talk to some of the other mayors across the state? Do you guys, like, yeah, uh, kind of uh, have your private conversations? We, we do and, from time to time, and we're always asking one another questions. Sure. You know, issues come up, whether it be zoning, ordinance, or whatever. A lot of times we try to find out what sure. the neighboring cities are doing. Uh, we do have you know our our MML that we work through a lot. The Mississippi, Mississippi Municipal Mississippi League, League yep. is, is a great opportunity. We also have uh, you know the Mayor's Association set up within the MML for certain districts that uh, we're in contact with on that. But uh, have a lot of good relationships with a lot of them around us, uh, and and that's a lot of times you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just kind of find out what's going on but uh but it, it works good when we're able to reach out to one another so good good relationships it, you mentioned it already but the one common theme i hear from from every municipal leader that i talk to is infrastructure uh, of course no that's, that's a major part of course of operating no a doubt. city uh it's it's uh, gotten more expensive and you're hoping that the revenues, sales taxes, a chief right. source of revenue, of course, to to uh, cities, to municipalities, is able to keep pace with that. That's right. And then you got to have staff as well right. to take that's care right. of that. I mean, that that's kind of in a nutshell what what life's like every it's, day for it's you. Is not? Going, it's a challenge day in and day out. Uh, you know, not just and, and we're fortunate uh, with the personnel that we do have from the, you know, from the 
City Hall standpoint, uh, fire department, police department, our public works, uh, the 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 street department, and all yeah. of them. I mean, it takes all of us working together. You know, not just the baron, the mayor, and the aldermen, but those people's out there. They're the boots on the ground. Yeah, and uh, I'm very proud of, of of the employees we have working in the city of Ellisville. The legislature, as you know, just signed. died, completed the 2023 session. Anything notable that came out of there? we got about a minute left or something that you'd like to see get done. No, sir. I know there was a good bit of stuff off and on and through the MML that, that reaches out to us as far as what some of the municipalities is for and against. But, you know, I hadn't seen anything that's, that's totally... Uh, Okay. Going to strike us down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's been good. Sounds like you're in good shape. Um, you're fortunate to be the mayor of a great city, great no community. you got uh, lots of great private businesses uh, and citizens. I mean, I just... All uh, the ingredients. Uh, talking about the city, you know, we just had that March of the Mayors. We yep. take up yep. the city of Ellisville collected 6,431 granola bars. That is fantastic. Right here, so that's great. The people. Mayor Lynn Buckholz of Ellisville, Mississippi, has been our guest here on Middays. We're stepping aside for a break. Coming right back. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Garrett. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back everyone, midday Super Talk Mississippi, Wally Properties in Ellisville, Mississippi, right across the street from the city of Ellisville Police Department. That's where we are. Our broadcast today, of course, sponsored by Alexander's Hardware, Community Bank of Laurel, Cox Roofing, Howard Industries, the Jones County Board of Supervisors, Pine Belt Land Title. And our host today, of course, Wally Forestry and Properties. And we thank you so much for joining us. We did get a couple of good questions here on the C Spire text line with respect to this report we've been talking about where the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the Federal Housing Finance Agency is the parent there. And they're the ones that are set to implement um, rules by May 1, going into effect May 1, that would affect new mortgages originated that are insured by those organizations. So there was a question that uh, I'm trying to find who asked it here, Rhino. There was a question about would this uh, affect um, existing mortgages. It would not. Only new mortgages. But it's still crazy. It's upside down. And Karen in, in Oxford made a, an interesting comment as well. She said it sounds like the old classic bell curve used in grading, typically in uh, college courses. Usually it's in really difficult courses where even those who score the best on tests uh, don't fare too greatly on those tests themselves. And so they'll curve them, meaning that a certain number of points is just added to everybody's score. That's one approach. 
or I was about to say because there was a, a bit of debate when I was in college about what the curve meant. Because to curve grades meant to pull all of them up to make the the best scoring person 100 and everybody else moves up. But I did have a professor that was religious about the bell curve and wanted the majority of test scores to be C's right in, in the, the middle, middle of the curve. Yeah, if you're not familiar with the statistical bell curve, it, it literally is a dispersion of results in the form of a bell, if you can imagine that, where you've uh, got the vast majority, as Rhino says, of the results in the center, in the middle of the bell, and not on the edges, the ends, where it starts to curve out a little bit. Uh, those would be the extremes on either side of the bell. So in a typical grading A through F type structure, Rhino's right, most would fall in the middle. Uh, in the C category, and then a few would be in the A, and a few would be in the F, and they and they'll create these curves to achieve that. That's pretty unusual, Rhino. Honestly, you said you had one, right? I had that one. That yeah, nobody liked that, them. Um, yeah, that that kind of sounds a little bit like this um, this equity theme narrative, right? That we hear a lot. We got to make everybody equal, uh, but so nonetheless, Karen makes a point. It sounds like a bell curve, but but it's really not. In this case, and I explained this to Karen in, in my response to her, this is not. This is not either of those, honestly, either of those sort of curved approaches to grading where the, the most common one that Rhino described was where everybody's has just moved up or they just changed the scale so that instead of, for example, 90 to 100 being an A, maybe it's anything above 80 is an A and then just continues downward. But in this particular case, it's, it's just the opposite. What this rule does is it imposes higher fees on those with better credit scores considered lower risk for a loan. And it extends lower fees and lower rates to those who are higher risk. It's just upside down from what it, it'd be like um, having a sporting event and whoever scored the least amount of runs in a baseball game, points in a football um, or basketball game, goals in a soccer game, hockey uh, competition. Those who scored the low, the lowest, the lower amount, I should say, would it be two competing? The lower would win, would be declared the winner. Oh, let's see, uh, baseball game. This team got ten runs and this team got zero. Winner, the zero. That's exactly what this is. That's exactly what this is. The march to mediocrity. This is destroying this country. I know a lot of folks on our on our text line and in our country are concerned about us sending money to Ukraine. That just seems to be the, the top their top concern, their top grievance. I'm with you. I don't like that either, uh, to a great extent. But this is more dangerous. This is more harmful to future society, to our security, to our security than anything else going on in this country. Is this this just bizarro upside down approach to every facet of society that's invaded every facet of society where good is bad and bad is good. Uh, that's just upside down, defies logic. 
defies common sense. And I do think that poses the greatest threat to this country. It clearly is not how this country was built. It's not how this country became the powerhouse that it is. It's not the way this country achieved a massive wealth and even our most impoverished enjoy a lifestyle that dramatically exceeds the vast majority of the rest of the world. This is upside down, and it's unbelievably disturbing. Thomas and Greenwood says it's called Clown World. You also asked uh, when Delbert's coming on to discuss the sessions. Thomas did, or is he hiding in shame? He's been on. He was on last week, right, Rhino, with um, with Paul. So he's been on. And, uh, in fact, you've probably heard sound bites from that interview um, on our air of the, the two or three days post the interview. So he's been on. Dave from Manistee, Michigan, wants to know how would that work in golf? Well, I guess whoever shot the highest score would be the winner. Whoever shot the lowest score relative to par would uh, be the loser. It's just all upside down. First one to bogey all the holes wins. <laughs> Jim from Ripley, by the way, just said, you need a light shining on you. It's hard to see your nice features. Uh, believe it or not, Jim, that has been recognized, and uh, the team at Super Talk is here on site, and they're busy installing all, all sorts of new video equipment to improve <laughs> that. It's because we're under this giant uh, couple of beautiful Looks like pin oak trees, and then we've got tents on top of it as well, so we're in the shade here. Uh, but we're getting that rectified pretty quick here. Jeff in Grenada says, major fat part of the curve of the C grades would be one deviation from the mean. Okay, well, you could set it up any way, right, Jeff? It doesn't have to be one deviation. It could be more than one deviation, but that certainly would be I think one the approach. standard bell curve is one deviation. Like, that's standardized. Yeah, if you want, if you're looking for a pure perfect bell curve, agree. Uh, I'm just saying that you could create a statistical model in issuing grades, right? That says, okay, we could go out multiple deviations from the mean and still oh, yeah. include those. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. But I agree with you, Jeff. That is correct. Uh, what you what you and Rhino said with respect to the standard bell curve. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a bell. I don't I don't know that you could achieve a bell shape when you. Um, charted it, graphed it. Uh, let's see, there was something else. Oh, yeah, Sam from Mount Hermon wants to know, Does, doesn't Congress have to approve Biden giving the money to China? And so um, he's asking, talking about uh, for climate change, he's announcing today climate assistance funds in a meeting with world leaders. This is bizarre to me that this is what the president considers his chief priority is to go meet with world leaders about climate change when you consider all of the domestic problems we are facing here at home. Is this perhaps to to divert attention away from those issues? Because yesterday spoke to unions and in some effort to a, a group of union members in some effort to tout his, his economic success as he describes and he he talked about building an economy that works for everyone today he is scheduled to which which clearly it's not uh, 
$1 billion for the Green Climate Fund, but he's looking to for a total of $11 billion, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But I know $1 billion to the for the Green Climate Fund. I'm not sure if that requires congressional approval or not. It could be that that's already been approved for some general purpose of climate change as part of the big omnibus spending bill, and he could just, with the swipe of a pen, say, hey, let's take some of that money and put it in the Green Climate Fund. We're in Ellisville, Mississippi today at Wally Properties. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. The great Tom Petty bumping us into this segment here in Ellisville, Mississippi at Wally Properties. Our sponsors today, once again, Alexander's Hardware, Community Bank of Laurel, Cox Roofing, Howard Industries, the Jones County Board of Supervisors, Pine Belt Land Title, and our host, of course, Wally Forestry and Properties. Coming up next, we're going to have... Jonathan Cox, owner of Cox Roofing. Of course, we'll speak to Mr. Jim Wally. And then I think we've got uh, the president of Jones uh, Community College joining us in the next hour as well. So there was a question on the ceasefire text line about uh, this allocation of money that uh, for climate change to other nations the president is going to discuss today. So I see now where I got the $11 billion figure. That's what he asked for last year. He asked for $11 billion a year, 11.4 to be exact, in what he received from the Congress, because, of course, they have to approve the budget, was $1 billion. So what he is proposing, what he's announcing today is this $1 billion going to the International Climate Fund. Actually, it's the Green Climate Fund, but that money then gets allocated out to other nations to support their efforts to curb climate change. Also, he is going to request $500 million over five years to support anti-deforestation efforts in Brazil. Of course, the Congress would have to approve that as well. And he's calling on other countries to take action, which it's about dang time, but I don't think he'll be firm with China and India, which are responsible for most of the CO2 emissions in the country. And I believe it's also true, is it not, Rhino, that most of the dang plastic in the ocean uh, comes from China. It's waste and refuse improperly handled and managed it's actually dumped in the ocean by china and it's all because uh, all the 
communist regime the CCP cares about is achieving economic superiority to the United States. And if that means destroying the oceans and the planet in route to doing so, they're perfectly fine with that. Those are acceptable losses. And that's the difference between communism, honestly, and capitalism. Capitalism and innovation, those systems have done way more. In fact, they're the only systems that have achieved any progress with respect to curbing pollution of the air and the water. It's all come from private sector innovation. Because capitalists understand that they've got to protect the environment, otherwise their businesses can't endure, can't prosper. The same is true that the greatest conservationists are hunters and fishermen. They're the people that actually harvest these God-given animals from the planet. Well, they're also the ones that ensure we have plenty supply, abundant supply for the future. They get it. Communists don't. They don't care. But yet we have a government that seems to align itself more with them. It's it's two-sided. It's talking out of both sides of your mouth for sure. Joe from Summerall says, How can we trust this administration to ask for money that will not be tracked that could be laundered through companies like FTX and right back to the DNC's pocket? I think that's a little far-fetched there, Joe, honestly. Um, I mean, there are ways to uh, of tracking public money this way. Um, that's not public money going back into the DNC's pocket uh, through FTX. I mean, if these were... I guess subsidies in that respect, maybe, but uh, that's not what's going to happen. The bigger risk is that we send money to these countries and the leaders of those nations stick it in their pockets because of all the ridiculous corruption that occurs and the lack of accountability that we have uh, in this country with respect to foreign aid. Ed in the Delta says the laws of economics are just as firm as the laws of physics. The left continues to ignore this to their and our peril. Totally agree with you on that, Ed. Exactly right. How can hard-working, tax-paying citizens who pay their bills and try to keep good credit do anything about this crap they're forcing on us? Unfortunately, Brent, the only thing we can do is elect people to office that think like you and I do on these matters, that don't champion this so-called cause for equity uh, and they do so at the expense of others. Look no further than all the transgender stuff that's going on in this country and the inclusion of biological males in female sporting competitions. The president said he'd veto. By the way, the bill Rhino passed just before we went on the air, the bill this morning in the U.S. House of Representatives that would, in fact, prohibit males from participating from competing in female sports they would have to participate and uh and and compete in in male sports of course this thing's not going to pass the senate it got zero democrat votes by the way folks surprise surprise zero in the house zero it's exhibit 972 that democrats are worthless and do not exist in reality (laughs) it I just don't get it. How could you look? I, I, I want those same Democrats that voted against that bill. 
I want them to go out and meet with parents of young female competitors, face them and tell them that their opposition to this bill is good for them, is right, is fair. Are they are they cowards to to face these people who were negatively affected by them? They need to go make their case because that's exactly what the president said. He said even if it passed the Senate and got to his desk, he would veto it on the basis of fairness. So it's fair to this sliver of the population that they be allowed to participate in the sport that does not align with their biological agenda but it, it's it's um, that's fair but what about the fairness to those such as Riley Gaines the all-american NCAA swimmer who is a biological female competing against other females except for one who happened to be the individual who took home the uh, the championship who, lest we forget, was ranked in the 400s as a dude and won as a woman. But that's fair. It's totally According upside to down. Worthless Democrats. That is just upside down. Now, there is a little bit of good news on that front. Folks, uh, you probably have seen that there are some feminist groups, and you've been calling for it, Rhino, that need to speak up. Finally. Some feminist groups, a couple, I believe, have broken with Biden. These are these are card-carrying Democrats who supported the president. Now they're joining the GOP in support of women's sports bill, which is now going to be killed in the Senate. Won't even make it to Biden. But there are two fairly liberal organizations. They describe themselves as quote radical feminist groups. And now they've entered into a very odd partnership with uh, the right to protect women's rights. Where have they been? Why have they been silent for some so long? Maybe it just reached the boiling point. Women's Liberation Front and Women's Declaration International USA broke with the president and joined congressional Republicans in support of this bill we just discussed, H.R. 734, styled as the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, a bill that would simply prevent biological males from participating in women's sports. It is absurd to me that we even have to pass such legislation. And, of course, that's occurred at the state level as well. Not a single Democrat. Now, these people voted for many of the members of these organizations. They voted for those who voted against this legislation. They voted for the person in the White House. They're card-carrying Democrats, staunchly so. They came out and said that their organization is nonpartisan. That's what they said. And, and uh, the president of the Women's Declaration International, goes by the name of Kara Dansky, said that their organization is, quote, devoted to advancing the Declaration on Women's Sex-Based Rights, which reaffirms women and girls' sex-based rights, and they believe that this legislation is aligned with that 
this is incredible. So they're breaking ranks with them. This is good news. More feminist groups need to come out. We're stepping aside for a break right here. When we return, Jonathan Cox, the owner of Cox Roofing. We're in Ellisville, Mississippi at Wally Properties. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone, midday Super Talk Mississippi broadcasting live today from Wally Properties in Ellisville, Mississippi. Joining us now, Jonathan Cox, the owner of Cox Roofing. Jonathan, thanks for joining us on Middays. Yes, sir. How you uh, doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, great day here in Ellisville, Mississippi. So, just looking at your website, tell us a little bit about your company, Cox Roofing. Um, well, we you know we're a family-owned company. We've been in business 17 years. Here in uh, here in the Pine Belt, and um, you know we we just strive on doing quality work for you know customers, make sure that they're treated right and treated fairly. Do you uh, provide roofing services for new construction or replacement roofs on existing structures? Or all the above. All the above. Um, you know we're 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 a residential roofing company for the most part. Okay. We do some light commercial as well, but. For the most part, it's all residential, so new construction, you know, re-roofs, that kind of thing. And mostly serving the Pine Belt? Well, we serve, um, you know, our range, if you put a pin to say in Laurel, Ellisville area, two hours in, in that circle, we, we can serve. I got you. And uh, how many projects do you typically have going on at any point in time? Is there sort of an average there, typical scenario? Well, we typically have at least two to three projects going at it, you know at any given time. Um, you know, we average in depending on the roof, we average a roof a day depending on size. And um, uh, you know, bigger roofs, of course, going to take a little longer. Two to three. The max is three days. We just finished one that was, um, you know, hundred and. 30 square it took us three days to do so how uh, difficult is it to find folks that want to climb up on top of a house and install roofing <laughs> you know i've actually i've been blessed in that area the crew i have working for me now has been with me for probably eight or nine years wow and um i just treat my guys fair you know you treat them right they're going to treat you right and um and, you know the consistency that builds when you've got a crew that's been with you as long as i they, they've been with me to where, you know, they know how I think. They know how the, I want the work done. And, um, you know, you have less problems that way. Yeah. Now, do you supply the materials as well? Yes. We, 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 we're we full service. So we, we come out, we, we look at the project, uh, determine what it needs. If it's an insurance claim, we walk them through the process of going through the insurance. Um, if not, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. And then, you know, we, we supply all the material. Uh, we we also do full service warranties on the on the project. Um, we do a our workmanship warranties. You know, the state only requires a year. We do at least three years minimum. 
workmanship warranty. My secretaries tell me that it don't matter if it's been five years. If they call, I still go back and fix it. <laughs> but, you know, but I've always said customer service is a, is a to me is lost in today's society. Yeah. And if you can take care of your customers even long term, they're going to continue to recommend you. You can tell we got the big train going by here on the tracks. <laughs> Pretty loud. So, uh, you tell me you've been in business. How long you been? Eight? Seventeen. Years. Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And your crew's been with you nine, which is uh, incredible. Yes. And sir. that is certainly a testament to the fact that you you treat folks right. Um, certainly understand how that works. Uh, what about the price of roofing materials? Have you seen an increase of that since we've started this inflationary cycle? Yes, sir. We've definitely seen some increases in prices. As a matter of fact, they just got I got an email yesterday of another price increase for, wow. for roofing material. Wow. And they said up to 10%. Well, it's already high. You had another 10% of that, you know. Man. So I'm, I'm hoping... Um, I'm hoping that settles back down and they don't actually go through with the price increase, but it looks like it's coming. What about the uh, the supply materials? Are you in good shape there? Is it readily available for the most part? It is. You know, after the, after the pandemic, it got to where it was hard to find certain materials, certain colors, and um, but now we're we're pretty much they've pretty much caught up in um, any color, shade, whatever we can get it now. So how does somebody get start the process, Jonathan? Uh, the best way to start it, you know, they just call our office um, at 601-319-7857, and our secretaries will take the information down, assign a sales guy to it, and then the sales guy will contact them within 24 hours and uh, make an appointment, come check out the property and assess the damage or whatever they may have going on. And they just make that assessment, and they determine, uh, work with the customer on determining the style roof they want and so forth, and then put together a a price proposal, a quote, and go from there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's that's the way it works. You know, and we have the ability to offer up to a 50-year warranty on a roof. Wow. And, um, you know, so um, that's virtually unheard of in these days, but it's... um, uh, something we can do, and uh, we're trying to take care of our customers in doing it. Sure. Sounds like you've got a great business model, and um, I can just tell from your website you've got a lot of uh, satisfied customers as well, so that's awesome. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Jonathan, thanks for coming on Middays. Appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. We're Thank stepping you. aside for a break right here. It's top of the hour, so that means it's uh, time for Fox News and then Super Talk News. When we return after that, it's Jim Wally, owner of Wally Properties, also a board member of the Jones County Economic Development Authority. Stay with us. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. The afternoon portion of Middays is back with you. We are at Wally Properties in Ellisville, Mississippi on this Friday Eve. 
Wanted to also thank our sponsors today, Alexander's Hardware, Community Bank of Laurel, Cox Roofing, Howard Industries, the Jones County Board of Supervisors, Pine Belt Land Title, and of course our remote host today, Wally Forestry and Properties. And also Hog Heaven Rhino is supplying the the vittles for lunch today, Hog Heaven Barbecue. And joining us now is Mr. Jim Wally, the owner of Wally Properties and uh, also a board member of the Jones County Economic Development Group. Mr. Wally, thanks for joining us today, sir. Thank you. Good afternoon, and welcome to the beautiful city of Ellisville. We have uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. We ordered up some Chamber of Commerce weather for us today and have enjoyed visiting with all the great folks here uh, in the city, uh, business uh, leaders and, of course, the mayor. Uh, member of the Jones County Board of Supervisors, our first guest. That was Lance Chancellor. And so now it's your turn, sir. We're glad to have you. And, Thank you. Uh, tell us about Wally Properties and exactly what you guys do. You're, you're um, uh, I guess, f- first and foremost, maybe a forestry consultant, right? It's a big part of your business. That's right. We have uh, two businesses, Wally Forestry Consultants and Wally Properties. Uh, this is our 44th year in business. Wow. And this uh, actually started out as a, a part-time endeavor. I'm uh, very blessed to have taught forestry at uh, Jones College for 25 years. And in the afternoons, uh, weekends, and summers, I started offering advice to landowners how to manage their timberland. Yeah. And we started off first with a Wally Forestry Consultant. So as you said, a consultant is a graduate forester, and they offer professional advice and assistance to private landowners. We help landowners navigate the decision-making processes when it comes to selling timber. For most landowners, it's only going to be uh, once or twice in their lifetime where they sell timber. So what we do is we go out, uh, visit with them, boots on the ground. Uh, we assess the type of timber they have, uh, the soil types, the logability, and then we help them navigate when, how, the who, what's, and where's. And a good example is how this operates. I think back in September, I met with a family that we've been managing their timber for a lot of years. Uh, their timber had just come off the CRP program, and they were wanting to know what we needed to do with it. And so in this meeting, the first part of September, I said, I don't see a market for this type of timber. You have good pole-quality timber. We're going to have to wait. I said, it may be a year before we have a good market. A week and a half later, I called them and said, the market's changed. There's a hurricane in the Gulf, which that was in. It's going to impact Florida, so I think we ought to put your timber up for sale. So we go in, we uh, analyze the timber, we see what it is, we put it out for bids. So we got 11 bids, and for this particular track, this is pretty unusual, had a half mile of road frontage, great quality timber. Uh, they received $5,200 an acre just for the timber. Hmm. But, again, so that's what a consultant does so much of the time is help them navigate, help them pick the right markets. But what takes place after uh, the timber sold, a contract is uh, put into place, a performance deposit where they have to, uh, the entity that cuts the timber restores the, uh, the roads back, puts uh, the gates back up, and then we help them decide what uh, type of site preparation. Normally we go in and have helicopter spray herbicides, and then uh, we help decide what species to plant. In this part of the state, you can plant uh, loblaw or longleaf. And another interesting thing is down in Lamar County, we have a test plot. Uh, we have about seven acres where we have 
22 different families of pine seedlings that are planted. We have a spreadsheet so we can help a landowner navigate what type species and what level of genetic improvement. So there's different uh, genetic levels of improvement from all the way up to where uh, you have clonal trees where each tree uh, is uh, a duplicate of that. Once these trees are planted in the life cycle, you would probably have a thinning. Uh, again, depends on soil genetics and age 15, other than age 22, and possibly a, a final harvest in somewhere around 30 years of age. What's the typical scenario uh, with respect to the, the landowner themselves? Or is this just land that's been passed down through the family, uh, through the generations, and the timber has matured? It's time to harvest it, take it to market. Or, or is your customers also would they consist of people that are in the business of, of growing growing timber? Right. You have all these different scenarios that you've you've mentioned. Well, we have some clients that we have managed the timber for over forty years. It's generational. Uh, some uh, come to us, especially through our real estate company that uh, that buy land, and then yeah. we start off with the plan. Analyzing all the different factors again of uh, what's on the site, and we do a, a timber analysis, a timber cruise to let them know what they have. But as you're saying, it's very different scenarios to what these landowners have. Again, do they just buy it, or is it did grandfather have this? Yeah. Yes, that's just passed down. But uh, yes, most importantly, the services you provide—they they benefit from your expertise, your knowledge to consult with them to help them uh, maximize uh, that that harvesting process and and uh, optimize the dollars they receive from that. That's right. That's right. And today we have our real estate uh, side of this. We we have seven agents. Uh, five of those are registered foresters. Mm-hmm. So uh, with this, when we someone comes to our office wanting to buy land. And we can help them navigate. We can tell them what their timber is worth. And then we have a lot of knowledge of wildlife management. So if they come to our office want to buy a piece of property, then we can uh, tell them what their timber is worth. We can tell them uh, what they need to do to improve the wildlife management. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking on, on your website uh, before we came on the air and looking at some of the listings. So some of these are just tracks of just raw land with, with timber on them, and, and some of them, uh, include structures as well. They may just, be, but they're they're generally speaking, large plots, large uh, areas. That's right. Most of our listings uh, are 20 acres and above. In fact, we have just got a new listing that we have not put on the website yet. 305 acres up in uh, Montrose, a beautiful uh, piece of property that's been uh, well managed. Uh, has a nice home, a big insulated shop. Uh, hookups for RVs, so people in the coastal counties are looking for a place to uh, uh, maybe escape from storms. Uh, they can come up there and hunt, uh, again, three RV hookups. Uh, so so many of our properties that uh, we sell that do not go on the website. Okay. They, they come in, we have people that have said, this is the type of property I'm, I'm looking for. I got you. And so there's no advertising involved there. It's just matching up the buyers and the sellers. So That's right. Speak. Yeah. So, but you made a point earlier as well, uh, Jim, about uh, how your your um, in initial business of pro- providing the consulting services, forestry consulting, kind of led to the real estate piece. Sounds to me like they could be totally integrated and very complementary, and that's the value proposition of the company. Very much so, yes. Um, because when people are are dealing with uh, these sorts of big uh, plots of land, these these big tracts of land, big property, 
and they're tight, they're loaded with timber. Gosh, if I'm interested in the land and I like it, but I know nothing about timber, uh, that's when you can come in and kind of help them with with all the above. That's right. And going back to the the first example, for those landowners, if they were just going to market the property or put it up for sale and did not realize the value of the timber that they had, they would have lost a pretty sizable amount of money not knowing the value of the timber. So this isn't something just the, the more classic real estate broker uh, this, this is really kind of out of their league for the most part well i, I would say it's just different okay uh, just different uh, the, but you've yeah. accumulated years of expertise in dealing with this specific area here this is a sort of siloed aspect of the real estate industry yes yes and and that's uh seems to be the differentiator mm-hmm. as much as anything do you have people that come from out of state that have an interest in buying property in Mississippi? They know about it. They've seen it. Whatever. Absolutely. I would say uh, we have a large following uh, from Louisiana. So, uh, uh, especially those looking for hunting properties. So, it yeah. is. And they know about uh, Mississippi's reputation for really high quality, uh, bountiful hunting property, and they and they look to secure that. That's right. So, uh, recreational. Uh, property is one of our, our biggest, uh, I guess, niches that we have. People are looking for uh, weekend getaways, places to hunt. Uh, you know, more than timber investments is more recreational than we sell. I'll be darned. Interesting. Uh, anything with respect to the laws in Mississippi that, that you feel like are advantageous? We've got about a 30, 40 seconds left in Mississippi for this kind of property. Is it a good place for this, for timber and that kind of property? Uh, it's an excellent place. It's a, yeah, it's so. much. And we have excellent resources with our Mississippi Forestry Association, yeah. Yeah. Right, with our, our county uh, forestry offices. So we've, we've got great resources. and Gotcha. Well, congratulations on all your success. Jim Wally, owner of Wally Properties, uh, appreciate you joining us today, and thanks for hosting us. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. We're coming right back with more. We've got Jones County Junior College President Dr. Jesse Smith coming up on the program. Stick around. We're coming right back. Through the jungle on the Wabash right here in the Magnolia State. Every day from 3 until 6, right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3. Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We're live from Ellisville, Mississippi, the heart of Ellisville, Mississippi, at Wally Properties. And we are so pleased to have joining us now the president of Jones County Junior College, Dr. Jesse Smith. Dr. Smith, good to see you again, sir. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much, Ryan, for the opportunity. And thanks to the Wally family for uh, coming to Ellisville. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's our pleasure to be here. But we've got another train coming through here, folks. You have to bear with us as the, uh, the big horns are sounding. We're close to an intersection. And uh, they're going to blow that horn and make sure nobody's crossing the over the road. That's actually a passenger train. It's an Amtrak. We just had uh, a freight train come through a little while ago, but 
So just bear with us, folks. We'll wait to see if we can get the uh, the horn out of here. So, uh, you know, the first time I've been down here in a long time was, was last year and was very uh, impressed with what I saw, which is when you drive through the Ellisville area here yeah. coming off of 59 there. This is a, a hustling and bustling uh, community and uh, just lots of activity. Stores are all open and cars are parked in front of them. People are doing business. A uh, lot of economic activity. Right. It is. It's showing a resurgence of small town America. Two of our graduates, uh, Ben and Aaron Napier, which they've really put this part of the world. They certainly the have, and they created a resurgence <laughs> on focusing on small town America. Jones College is a, uh, you know, it's a rural community college. We've been around since 1911. We've been a part of the community, and so we've uh, we've had graduates that go all over the world, and we've impacted. The thing that is so vital that most people need to know about the colleges is that everything we do is workforce development. Sure. Everything we do from from whatever it is, it's all focused on getting people ready for their careers. You'll be very pleased to know that this these uh, freshman kids that are coming in now, I have great hope for the future. A lot of people have doubts for the yeah. future, but I don't. Yeah. As, uh, I can tell you one thing about this freshman class that came in. They completed 16,000 hours of community service this year. Fantastic. Think about that. Fantastic. 16,000 hours. The world means it's very important to them. Yeah. They want to learn. They want to do. And they want to make a difference. And so we see it. And so we're we're very keen on the way things are going. We've got about five off-campus centers that we do workforce programming to. And um, so it's it's going very well. And and, uh, and things are really moving in the right direction. Well, that doesn't happen by accident now, Dr. Smith. i got to believe you've had a hand in building a culture that uh, really encourages your students to understand it's more than just going to school and uh, sitting in the classroom. Sure. taking in content sure. and, and um, taking care of your, your business there. But sure. yeah, you got to be active in the community as well. And, Absolutely. And you graduate yeah. to be a good, sure. good citizen. Sure. Well, you know, this one's a couple things we teach. We have we teach our athletes leadership. It's called the B1 Leadership Academy. And we believe in this philosophy is that we'll teach you how to lead and whatever is needed in your community, whatever it is, you need to be that. If you need a little league, go start one. If you need a... If you need a new, if you need a city administration, become a city administrator. Run for political office. If you need a church, build one. If you need a business, build one. We're trying to instill that confidence. Great message. It is. And so we build that, but it permeates through everything we do. Sure. Now, the college, we have some of the most talented people you can imagine that choose to live in a small town. Now, they have been all over the world. Some of our folks are just incredibly brilliant and could be anywhere making a a profound living, but they choose to be home. And that's the one thing that we've got to do here in Mississippi is, and even in, in America, is that we got to focus on small towns. And when we rebuild a small town, we rebuild America. And we, we, we're, 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 we're telling that message in our classes. The other thing is, is that the world we're in, being that there's so much technology, STEM, science, technology, and engineering, math, is, is it. Doesn't matter what you're majoring in. If I'm na- majoring in English, if I want to, or if I'm majoring in literature or classics, that's great, 100. percent But you got to be able to do something. You got to be able to do something related to the STEM field, and we teach that. 
And that is the world. That's the way things are going. That's the way the economy is going to grow. It's embedded into every sure. facet of life. Sure. America built so many countries. We helped so many countries through some of the worst times because our ability to build. It's in our nature. Hmm. And so this is the easiest, this is probably the most opportunistic time for America right now, is that if we rebuild small towns, we rebuild people's ability to build things using the this fantastic technology we have. We've got every kind of technology you can imagine at the college <laughs> to teach. Never in a million years would I thought, after being there 30 years, I'd be talking about this level of technology. <laughs> it is so encouraging for the future. It's, it's, it really is. That's so good to hear. It's it's gratifying here too, Doctor Smith, because when we get older, it seems like we tend to be a little bit more pessimistic uh, right. about the future, even though we got less of life in front of us. But I often think that's because we see so much change, and, sure. that, and that change um, disturbs us somewhat. Right. But I think what you're telling me is is not to be so concerned that that because you're dealing with people sure. who've got their whole life, their whole careers in front of them. They're optimistic. Right. Sure, they are. They absolutely. And you don't want to destroy that optimism. Not at all. Yeah, you know, the beautiful thing, and I see this through my own children, they're both uh, graduates of Jones. One's in her career at Ole Miss. The other's in mechanical engineering at Mississippi State. And uh, they see the world so differently. They are the least judgmental people in the world. <laughs> there are no barriers. There are no walls. You know, some of the, the prejudices that were in past generations, this generation sees no color. They see no stratification. We are who we are. We are America. They are the most wonderful group of kids that I have taught in my whole career. I tell you that uh, our future is really bright if we equip them with the knowledge to optimize their future. Yeah, that that is awesome. What what's uh, going on with respect to the the landscape of sure. community colleges in our state, which we have a, a oh fantastic system and so many great institutions. I'm glad you asked it, Gerard. You know that Mississippi may not know this that the community college system is the oldest in the country. It's right. the oldest system. It is the best because of what we do and the value we add for the investment. Plus, our counties support us. Very well. Mm-hmm. Our legislature invests in us. They have great faith in us. And um, uh, we, we had Senator Wicker's office, uh, some of their local representatives on campus today. They realized that this the community college system is one of the best in the world where we are. Why is that? We are directly connected to every university. Uh, all of the public colleges and our local private colleges, we have a direct articulation agreement that goes directly to them. So that seamless transfer. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is the newest thing that you'll love this, Gerard, is that now we're teaching dual credit right. classes, which I will tell you, I think it's had a profound impact on our graduation rate. Uh, that may be the unsung I can say that. But we started doing dual credit career and technical uh, programs. Let me tell you something. That means that students are coming out with advanced knowledge in that STEM field, in that technology field already. And so we're working right now at Jones with all the the districts in our region to expand that in high schools and kids are seeing this is a this is an awesome option that that's coming out there and we're producing more 
and giving kids more opportunity. It's probably one of the best things we've done in a while. That is awesome. It's incredible. Don't you feel like, Dr. Smith, that uh, great strides have been made in, in higher ed towards really tailoring uh, the, the education curriculum to the jobs that Absolutely. employers are hiring for? Because I think there was a gap for a while, and there still Absolutely. may be to some extent. But yeah, there, there's room for us to improve. Yeah. All right. And so and that is, is that students, we really need to be having the students engaging with their future careers earlier. Like while they're enrolled in school, right. they should be working in that field. I learned that from my good friend Jim Wally, yeah. part of Wally Properties, is that exposing the students to their career early while they're actually in class, they learn so much more. That is the area of improvement that we all have got to do better. Now that means that even businesses have got to adjust a little bit because the students have got to go to class. I mean, now we can teach online, but that's wonderful to a degree. It's not like if you and I are in, you were teaching me some classics <laughs> or some economics, understand his background in the economics or the IT field. You yep. know, it works really well when we're in the same room. But yeah. uh, the, the technology today does everything but people puts people right together. But the future is that for the system is, is that we were able to work together and get more students in the workplace while they're in college. Oh, man, we can grow so much faster. Makes a lot of sense. We should have been doing it a long time ago. And oh, yeah. I, I would I would think that we have a lot of tools today. We didn't have them, honestly, oh, that makes you. that possible, and yeah. that's fantastic. Appreciate you coming oh, on, Dr. Smith, you. and uh, congratulations on all the success at uh, Jones County Junior College and what a, what a great county Jones County is it for is. the state of Mississippi. All right, man. We appreciate you coming down here and seeing us and being a part of this this great part of the world. Yes, sir. It's our, been our pleasure. We're coming right back from the Element Well Studios in Ellisville, Mississippi at Wally Properties. Stay with us. with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We are live at Wally Properties in Ellisville, Mississippi. We're going to be doing a remote tomorrow. It is... Going to be in Pike County as we get ready for the 12th annual Smoking on the Tracks Barbecue Cook-Off in Summit, Mississippi. There will be great food, live music, a car show, and more. Smoking on the Tracks is brought to you by Lot Furniture in Macomb, Ag Up, and Southwest Distributors. Also today on In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, you'll hear an interview with singer-songwriter Afton Wolf in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar is presented by visitmississippi.org. You can hear the show each Thursday and Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. on most Super Talk Mississippi stations, supertalk.fm, and available everywhere you listen to podcasts. So, um, we did have a question on the ceasefire text line. We've been talking about. Uh, this morning we mentioned a couple of uh, wh- who, who self-describe as radical feminist organizations have come out and aligned with the GOP in support 
of HB 704 passed the House of Representatives, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, this morning, and this would prohibit biological males from participating in female sports competition. It's pretty straightforward. It's crazy to me we even have to have such a bill. But these two radical feminist organizations come out in support, broke ranks with the Democrats and Joe Biden. We had a question from Ed in the Delta. Where is now the National Organization for Women? That's the one that I certainly recall as a youngster growing up that champion the so-called women's lib movement now in OW. You used to see stickers and banners and buttons and other such promotional material all over the place. Rhino, you don't see so much. The big now in all caps, National Organization for Women. So I'm going to preface my next uh, set of comments with the fact that I've never been to now's website until a few minutes ago (laughs) in order to um, try to do a little research to respond to Ed's question. So the first thing you see when you launch the uh, now website is uh, a little photo of the headshot of Hillary Rodham Clinton because they're going to be conducting what they call the what now calls the feminist state of the union. <laughs> I kid you not. And the special guest is Hillary Rodham Clinton. The uh, the slogan this year's slogan for the feminist state of the union is understanding the state of our union through a feminist lens. You scroll further down on the website, and you see some of the other uh, some of the other initiatives, some of the other issues that that now champions. I'll share some of those with you. We won't stop organizing until equity for all. And then another in another block, another uh, another bullet point in the list here, if you will, is reproductive justice. I don't think I've ever heard the uh, the whole pro-choice ordeal referred to as reproductive justice. Now, I guess what they're trying to say there is uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade was unjust, and so they seek to further extend and increase the right to an abortion. They consider that to be reproductive justice. And then they have another category, of course, our commitment to racial justice. Unbelievable. So, starting to think they won't be breaking ranks. That's that's exactly what I was about to say there, Rhino, is exactly right. They don't look like they're going to join these other two radical feminist organizations. Which tells me they don't actually care about women, they just care about the attention they get. Uh, Not only that, they don't really care about equity. Because I don't see how, in the heck, any clear-eyed rational thinking logical person can reach the conclusion that allowing as you say dudes to swim in the same pool in the same race as a female is equitable 
Somebody help me understand how that advances the so-called cause of equity. I don't get it. Not only that, I totally disagree with it. Because if you'll buy that nonsense, you'll buy anything else they can come up with. <laughs> that is exactly right. Uh, once, they, once they've uh, etched that into the notch of the handle, then it's on to the next uh, the next cause, I guess, is what it would be. You know, your old buddy, I call him that because <laughs> you do a good job of, of uh, following Samuel Brenton. Um, he's, he's the male that thinks he's a female that likes to steal luggage out of the airports. Recently uh, served as the Deputy Assistant Secretary in the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy. have no idea why we have to have uh, a person of this uh, sexual persuasion in this uh, in this role but it has been ordered has been ordered has Brenton Samuel Brenton to undergo a mental health evaluation <laughs> as well as fulfill some other requirements including writing a letter of apology I'll give you a sneak person. peek on that mental evaluation <laughs> He's nuttier than squirrel crap. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not taking a bet. If you're, if you're proposing a wager, in that case, it, well, are we surprised? I mean, like, what took you so dang long to come up with this? This is crazy. Uh, and out there, more on this subject matter, out there in the great state of Montana, have you seen this? There's a Montana lawmaker who is uh, incensed because it was misgendered. Uh, (laughs) So this person's name is, are you ready for this one? Zoe Zephyr, (laughs) Z-O-O-E-Y, Z-E-P-H-Y-R. So a group of conservative Republican lawmakers in Montana deliberately misgendered deliberately misgendered a transgender that uh, serves in the in uh, the house there the montana freedom caucus misgendered zoe <laughs> in AKA a called it like they saw it <laughs> so zoe says that uh, let's see uh, here we go. It says, if you vote on this bill, this is, this is a bill that uh, similar to the one we just passed in Mississippi that prohibits gender-affirming care. Uh, I don't know why they call it care because it's anything but that. It's more like butchering um, a child's human body. If you vote on this bill, and yes, on these amendments, I hope the next time there's an invocation, when you bow your heads in prayer, you see the blood on your hands. That's what Zoe Zephyr said in admonishment of Zoe's colleagues there. Gotta love the, the emotional uh, extortion of the left. <laughs> Representative Zephyr, Z-E-P. I can't help but laugh at that. Uh, what are the Sounds like the sidekick to a mustache-twirling villain from a 70s cartoon. 
<laughs> what are the odds that Zoe needs a mental evaluation and perhaps some mental health treatment? What, what are the odds of that? Past due. <laughs> oh, gosh. The Democratic rep Zoe Zephyr should be punished for trying to shame the Montana legislative body, says the Montana Freedom Caucus. Oh, gosh. But it's all been out of shape because they deliberately misgendered Ms. Zephyr. <laughs> it's ma'am. I'm ma'am, damn it. Unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. And in the Delta says, in response to our analysis and our report on now, with respect to this uh, House bill that would prohibit males from competing in female sports ed says they're not worried about women they care about the money from their liberal donors i think you're right and i think rhino's right they're more into the attention it's it's gosh this craving and coveting of attention seems to really be driving a lot of society these days and that maybe it's the downside of social media the internet the fact that everybody's got a dang video camera in, a, uh, in their hand and a camera, still camera as well. Maybe that's what it's all about. Dan in Tattisburg says, something tells me that Zoe doesn't believe in prayer. We're coming right back. We're in the Element Well Studios in Ellisville, Mississippi. Days with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment, hour three, middays, live from Wally Forestry Consultants in Ellisville, Mississippi. We certainly have enjoyed our day here today. Alexander's Hardware, Community Bank of Laurel, Cox Roofing, Howard Industries, the Jones County Board of Supervisors, and Pine Belt Land Title making our remote broadcast possible today, sponsoring the broadcast, and also Hog Heaven Barbecue feeding us. Joining us now, Casey Adams, the Senior Vice President for the Community Bank location here in Ellisville, Mississippi. Is that right, Casey? Yes, sir. Yeah. Good to have you on Middays. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. So what's going on at Community Bank these days? Uh, I'll tell you one thing. you got a thriving, bustling uh, community with, where you look looks like we've got lots of economic activity. i got to believe it's good for banking business. There's a lot of great things going on at Community Bank today and here in Ellisville. You see we have a lot of traffic. Um, just a lot of activity going on. There's several buildings being revamped downtown, new offices moving in. Uh, Downtown is bustling, and we're happy to be part of it. Is that where you're located? Their business, yes, sir. We have two locations here in Ellisville. We have a drive-through location on Hill Street towards the interstate that that is open Monday through Friday. Um, our hours are to we're open to four thirty on Monday through Thursday, then five thirty on Friday. And then we have our downtown location, which is full service branch. 
Um, and it's open till 5.30 on Friday. So we are here right gotcha. in downtown and we're happy to help anybody we can. Sure. Uh, interest rates, of course, no surprise there to those uh, listening to us, uh, are up somewhat. Has that affected the demand for loans? It has some, but, you know, one way to look at it, you know, everything has gone up. You know, as far as our yeah. groceries yeah. and everything, well, so has money. Yeah. Um, but we all still need it. Yeah. So it has affected it, too. You know, it's affected some of the house housing yeah. market and everything else, but it's still available. Money's still available. Sure. Um, and we still need it. We just have to look at the amount sometimes we need, um, but we are still lending it every day. Talk to us about the uh, the financial condition, the, the balance sheet of Community Bank. You in good shape? Community Bank is strong. We are very, very strong. Um, our assets are very solid-based. Um, what we lend on predominantly are hard fixed assets. Asset based lending. Yes. We don't do a lot of we don't do any of the speculative lending, things like that. You've seen some banks on other parts of the country fail, you know, where we have solid financial that we lend on. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to work in the that commercial is. banking industry. It so, really uh, honestly, those that uh, did loan on, uh, as we like to say, air without proper collateral and security, really were kind of violating the standards there. It is. They really were. And, you know, we are the small town bank. We still help the everyday person that comes in. Yeah. You know, we lend on anything from new real estate to a tractor to anything. We're not going to just pigeonhole anybody to any specific type. Yeah. We still do the poultry lending and chicken houses okay. to anybody. We are your one-stop bank. And where we feel like we separate ourselves is when you come in, you talk to a lender, that one lender can help you with anything. You're okay. not going to get passed off. You know, if you come in, I can help you with your checking account, your car, your house, okay. your tractor, your beach house, everything. You know, that one lender is a complete banker at Community Bank. Customers appreciate that, don't they? Absolutely. They get a, could they get uh, comfortable with uh, that relationship that's built uh, with their banker, and uh, they just would prefer to continue to deal with them for all their needs? And that's what we really strive for is a relationship-type bank. Yeah. We're not, we don't really go for the one-time transaction. We want to be your relationship. And when your kids grow up, we want to be your kids' banker. Hmm. Good approach. And, of course, uh, no secret, uh, lots of technological advances as well that have, have uh, really, I think, improved drastically the, the overall banking experience. And it seems to me that the best uh, institutions are those that have a combination of all the above. They have the, the, the personal touch and the intimate relationship building capabilities with brick-and-mortar locations, bankers that can help you, but also the uh, the mobile and remote tools as well to take care of a lot of your business. I agree with that 100%. Um, and that's where we, one thing to toot our own horn is, we have everybody local, so if you do have an issue with your mobile app or needing a debit card, you can walk into one of our branches and get your question answered. Yeah. You can print debit card on Support. location. Oh, you can? Yes, sir. That's cool. We went to that. Um, and Because when you need technology, I'm not a yeah. strong technology person, so when I have an issue... You can get your question and answer right into the brand. Well, when you fuse the personal touch with uh, the, the technology tools, that's the best of all worlds there. Sounds like you guys are doing a great job of that. We do our best to get better every day at it. We well, appreciate you joining us and talking about Community Bank. Thanks yes, a lot. Yes, sir. Happy to be here.
Well, folks, that's it for today. We are out of time here. We've been in Ellisville, Mississippi at Wally Forestry Consultants. We hope you enjoyed the show. Tomorrow, smoking on the tracks in Summit, Mississippi, in Pike County. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. Talk Mississippi Media Production.